And uh, we'll do this a cappella, but I think it's one that everyone knows. So if you would please stand and let's see standing on the promises. The first of two lessons now is sort of the biography of nature. And, you know, I mean, we're studying this man's life, but I think there's some really interesting points that we can um, glean from this as we understand what motivated him and uh, how it relates to us. Um, I won't go over all of this because I know most of you here were last time, but, you know, he grew up in a, I guess you could say a privileged family. Um, but one of the things that really uh, stuck out with me was the atmosphere that he grew up in. And those of you who were here last week, do you remember, um, you know, sort of what, what things were important to his mother and his father and kind of the atmosphere that, that he was raised in that sort of put him on the trajectory of his life? He didn't want to be literature. Oh, okay. He got rewarded uh, for being yeah, a good boy by being able to choose books like uh, Latin and Greek scholars out of his father's library. Yeah, his father was a high-powered lawyer, and what he did in his free time after litigating uh, cases all day, he would come home and read the Greek and Latin classics in Greek and Latin. <laughs> His mother also wrote a book. Remember what that was? Her favorite poet. Talk about looking at stuff called Browning in the Bible. Um, so the atmosphere he grew up in, uh, which uh, was emphasized in, in the lesson, was the Bible, Pilgrim's Progress, Westminster Catechism, the classics, obviously. Uh, a scholar in the making. And the reason that really struck home with me is, and then you think, what is the atmosphere that our children are going with? Um, and think about just in general. Um, now, I know we're 100 years more advanced, supposedly. Um, but what, what is the atmosphere? What would you say atmosphere is that children are better for boys? Well, when I put back on, you saying we grow up more advanced today? No, we're more degenerate. Yeah. Well, I, said, gone, I said supposedly. Yeah. We have gone backwards because we grow up with so much social media and smartphones, people with smartphones in their kids' hands that you have, oh, your average exposure of a child to pornography is the age of 10. Oh. <coughs> and, I mean, Hopefully it's not like that in this church because hopefully parents don't kid with 10 year old smartphones. But um, you have stuff like that, the whole um, disconnect among young people. They can't form relationships, whether with people of the opposite sex or just in general. It's a horrible environment to grow with a kid now. And America also has the most single parent households percentage wise on the planet, which is really bad for children and anyone who does not talk about addressing it, shows they're not serious about fixing America's problems. Mm -hmm. Who doesn't talk about what? Anyone who doesn't talk about 
significant number of single parent households in America shows they don't want to fix America's problems. Well, I don't disagree with uh, that. Um, but then it comes down to, okay, what are we as Christian parents, or what is the atmosphere that we are creating for our family? So anyway, that's the thing that struck out, struck out to me there. Um, you know, he went through describing uh, his education, the Johns Hopkins, the valedictorian. <coughs> this theme was given three or four times throughout the lesson last week that he didn't know what he wanted to do with his life. Here was a brilliant young man, did not have to work hard in school at all, and came out on top. Uh, it's not like he was not doing <coughs> worthwhile things, but he admitted that he didn't know what he wanted to do with his life. In fact, uh, at one point later in life, he described up until the point where his mentor, B.B. Warfield, <coughs> he admitted that he was playing games. He was, he was doing worthwhile things. He was excelling pretty much at everything he chose to do. But he was playing games. He didn't know what he wanted to do with his life. And then uh, he uh, enrolled at Princeton, both in the college and in the seminary. Seminary. Said seminary. seminary. <laughs> um, and Excel, we got two degrees. He was, uh, he won the senior prize. The senior prize was a year's trip to Europe. Just the study to do whatever he wanted to do. And you remember what the focus of his year in Europe was? Where he went? <coughs> Well, yeah, he loved the mountains, the mountains, but that was the previous trip. Focus of this trip, he was in Germany, and you remember what he was exposed to? The New German liberal philosophy of Christianity. Higher criticism, higher critical theory. Mm -hmm. And uh, the lesson last time described in pretty good detail a summary of German higher criticism, which, again, Whole other topic, but it's basically critical theory. Critical theory of what that consisted of then compared to you know, what it is today. But what was the, how would you describe German higher criticism that he learned while he was over there? Socialism. Yeah. Skepticism. That was the political part of it. Postmodern. Scientific theory, basically. If you do away with all the mysticism and the thing and bring that back to the human dimension of what can actually have happened, that's Christianity in relation to the you know, um, The lesson described it in two ways. One was um, in the Old Testament, one was in the New, uh, but it was all, all basically an assault on the authority of the Bible. And one of the key things that was argued then, and is probably still accepted in, in some sectors uh, today, is that Moses did not write the first five books of the Bible, that there were four authors. And you know, you gave the, you've, you've heard it uh, with the initials JDP. Um, but essentially, that, that, that it was written by other authors. 
and then it's a similar theory for the Gospels. And this is pretty interesting because you can see this today. Uh, you go on the internet and places like Progressive Christianity, and you'll, you'll see what I'm about to read here. It says, the theory was similar for the Gospels. A, a distinction is made between the Jesus of history and the Jesus of faith. The Jesus of faith is not the historical Jesus. The Jesus of faith is the Jesus that the Christian community, a century or two later, expands on Jesus and creates the legends and myths of Jesus. Miracles are later additions, not accurate history. There's a Jesus of faith and a Jesus of history. And higher critical scholarship differentiates between the material of the four Gospels. So the upshot of all this and the significance of his trip over there during that year was that he was exposed to all of this. I mean, in person, he saw it. Um, New Testament is not a divinely inspired record. It's just the experience of the early Christian communities of their encounter with Jesus and his teachings. So he saw all of this firsthand, and this comes into play later on, as we'll see as he gets involved in American Christianity. So, in comes World War I. Uh, he has become ordained, receives an associate professorship in 1915, and is still not sure what he wants to do. American enters the war in 1917. He considers becoming a chaplain, but do you remember why he didn't decide not to be a chaplain? Because he didn't want to spend time being enlisted man. Right. Then he considered being an ambulance driver. But he didn't want to do that because he heard that there were so many of them that they got tasked doing other things. Wait, why didn't he want to be involved with the enlisted guys? No, he, he, did he, want he, did. he did. He didn't want to be a chaplain because he'd be an officer and he'd be separated. Oh, I, I misunderstood. He wanted okay. to be with the troops. I, oh, I so what did he end up doing? Except for here, he could do that. Because he had to do that anyway. So, they joined the YMCA, which uh, back then was a, a very strong service organization. They, they helped the troops get mail and get books and their paychecks back to families, things like that. So that's what he ended up doing. So he, uh, he did that, and he comes back from the war and now it has significant purpose. So that's where we are leading up into this lesson. So let's watch this lesson and then we'll go from there. Um, and it's back to this idea of what it took for him 
to decide or find his purpose in life. <coughs> you remember how this episode began? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Understanding Roman eight, Romans 8 better and Something a little bit more basic than that. It's not about the socks, right? Oh, warm, the warm socks. Warm socks. Dry. And today we call that requisitioning, not selling, <laughs> requisitioning. But he said, I can say in all seriousness that one of the most fervent prayers that I ever offered in my life was a prayer of thanksgiving that I prayed that night in my dugout in the trenches when I pulled on those dry, warm socks. Here was a privileged man, exceeded in everything that he did. And he's over there, he's in the trenches. And that's when he, you know, that, that was one incident. As you said, the, uh, well, no, the whole experience. Means a lot. Yeah, the whole experience. <laughs> the whole experience is what, I mean, he's a new, he's a brilliant New Testament scholar. Has been teaching. And it's in the trenches of war that he really understands the Bible. Mm -hmm. And uh, that just made me think, you know, many of us, perhaps most of us, uh, whenever it is that we come to our realization of whatever our purpose is or what the Lord has for us, mm -hmm. it takes some kind of event. And I just thought that would be an interesting thing to think about. And, uh, I can share my story, but is there anything any of you would like to share about something that made the Bible real to you? Not just theoretical, but made it real and help you understand what it is the Lord wanted you to do. When we were kids, uh, Nellie Hopp was our teacher, and she used those felt boards. Mm -hmm. Used to what? Felt boards. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and put... Right, right. And she, she brought the stories to life using the felt boards. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'll tell you a little bit about our situation. On active duty in the Army, we were stationed in Jersey. Um, I was part of a command, kind of a brigade level command that operated all the ocean terminals around Europe. And uh, we'd been there, I guess, about three years. <coughs> and uh, at this point, we, we had our son, he was about two or about two at that time. Um, while we were over there, Carolyn had two or three miscarriages. One about 20 weeks, which was very traumatic. Um, and, you know, this is back in around 1980. And uh, didn't have free calls home back then, so didn't have that much communication with our family. So, Getting near the end of my assignment, um, the brigade commander selected me to command a terminal in Europe near Pisa. Would have been a real nice assignment. Um, and he was overruled. It was a major's position. I was a young captain, and so I didn't get the job. 
So all these things going on, you know, asking for what, what should we do? And uh, decided to go back to duty in Germany. Didn't have a job. And what they wanted to do, we wanted to go back to Greensburg where she was from. And uh, made, I mean, we struggled with that decision. Most of you will know Proverbs 3, chapter, verses 5 and 6. Uh, that, was, that was my main prayer during that time. But those combination of events led to, you know, what in our lives was a major decision. And then we moved back and thought I also had a job. But, uh, you know, a lot of times for us, uh, it takes hard events. I know at least one man sitting in the room right now is going through a hard decision about whether to stay in or get out. Um, so, it may not necessarily be as traumatic as what Machen went through, although some of us in this room have been through equally traumatic war situations. Um, but it's just kind of interesting how the Lord works and uses sometimes very traumatic events, sometimes not so traumatic, but to make it work in the life. And that's what gives us direction. Any other thoughts? I have just um, to go on top of the word coming alive. Mm -hmm. um, after college, going to Korea and living there um, and just traveling around mostly just on my own with my cane, just one cane. <coughs> um, so many instances of falling and being by myself falling. And when I fall, I can't get up by myself. And so just relying completely on God and trusting his word to be physically true and so one of, I, I love to hike, and hiking with bad legs doesn't work out very well, but I still do it, and I, I still did it. And one particular time, I fell, and it was um, a, on a small mountain, just a very small one, and I slid down, I fell and I slid down part of it, and I was alone, and I said, okay, Lord, I'm here, and you are my provider, and you um, you say, and then I quoted the scripture, I'm not sure which one I quoted, but I quoted one to him, and I said, so I'll just wait here, and I'll, I'll wait for you to help me up. And sure enough, an older Korean couple came out of nowhere to me, they're probably just down the mountain somewhere, and they spoke perfectly good English, and they said, Hello, do you need some help? <laughs> and I said, Yes, thank you. I just prayed. And they said, Praise God. And they picked me up and I continued on my way. It reminds me of yeah, it by Mr. Chips. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, was in Korea? That was in Korea. That was in Seoul. Yeah. Wow. By the way, um, we hiked part of the Great Wall of China together. Well, probably more stories like that that others could share. Maybe we'll do that going forward. 
um, some of the other topics that I'm sure we'll get to is the issue of apologetics. In fact, there's a whole lesson on apologetics. Um, political inworkings within his Presbyterian General Assembly that led to being kicked out, but look what that result. You know, so it's just really interesting to you know, see how the Lord works things out. So anyhow, um, next week's lesson, Lord willing, is Mention in the Church. So look forward to sharing that with us closing. Lord, thank you for this time of marveling at, at how you work in the lives of men and women. We thank you for how you use this man, Machen, to accomplish so much for your church and your people. And we pray that as we work through this series that you would help us to uh, learn from that, but more importantly to see how we can apply these truths in our lives as we face the issues and the complications and the challenges that we each have. Lord, we thank you for this time. We pray now for our worship service to follow, that you would be present and that you would be pleased with our worship. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.